100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight, exclusively by FNM Bank. 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too. Right here in Hendersonville, FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlights, Tony Richards. Good morning and welcome to Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning and every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Brought to you by FNM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or at myfmbank.com. And on our phone today in a social distancing way is Chris Cannon from the Tennessee Labor Department of Labor and Workforce Development. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Tony. Well, welcome to the program. We appreciate you taking the time. We know you are very busy right now. I'm glad to be here to help. Well, um, I think the first thing before we dive into a lot of the uh, COVID-19 stuff is just can you describe for people a little bit about what the uh, Labor and Workforce Development Department does uh, for the business community in Tennessee? Sure. It's a very wide-ranging department. Obviously, it it houses the Unemployment Security Division, so we handle the unemployment benefits for the state of Tennessee. It also houses the Workforce Development arm for the state of Tennessee, so we oversee all the American job centers across the state, workforce development services, job services, job seeker services. But then it gets into different types of divisions. We have the adult education division. We have Tennessee OSHA, so we inspect and work in the workplace for workplace safety. We also have workplace regulations and compliance, and that covers everything from inspecting boilers and elevators and amusement devices to labor laws. So there are, and work wow. compensation is also here. So it's a, it's a big department with a lot of different, different types of divisions. Well, it sounds like it, but I think there's a lot of things you mentioned in there that people don't know that you do that are great for outreach and to help businesses. They might look at you more as a regulatory and I got to get my forms in, but I think they don't know some of the other things you do do. Yeah, we're really about workplace safety. TOSHA is one of our bigger divisions, and we're really about putting Tennesseans to work. The unemployment safety, the unemployment division is a safety net program. We're here to help folks make ends meet in tough times, but what we're really trying to do is find folks new jobs. So our unemployment security division and our unemployment computer system is migrated with our workforce services division. So they kind of work together. So if you apply for unemployment, you're automatically going to be populated from the workforce services side with new job opportunities, training opportunities. So we've kind of integrated those systems so they work together to get Tennesseans back to work sooner. That is a great idea. Um, how many people, I've, you know, you kind of hear rumors after something weird like this happens um, about how many people you've had on board. I had heard that you guys brought in two or three full staffs to be able to get through this whole unemployment part. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're staffing that up, how many people are helping? And- sure. Typically, before all this happened, we would have about 100 call agents in call centers here in Nashville, in Crossville, and in Chattanooga. Uh, Since this has changed, we have limited public access at 23 of the comprehensive American job centers across the state. And inside those comprehensive centers, we had state staff who worked with veterans and worked with job services, helping Mm. people find jobs and training. So we have repositioned them and we are training them now to work for unemployment. So that's about 200 people. So right there, we had 
an increase of 200 people wow. up to 300. Yeah. And there's just about 1,000 people employed with the department altogether, so that's almost one-third of all the employees in the department are training to work for unemployment to get these processed. We're also hiring people. I think we're hiring, I believe we're up to maybe 36 or 40 part-time people who can answer those phones and provide customer service as well. And we're also looking to outside call centers to see how they can help us handle capacity and provide more customer service. That is amazing. So the good thing about being able to reposition those folks is while they may not you know, know unemployment exactly, they're at least familiar with all of your systems. So that, uh, I'm assuming, helps ramp them up uh, a little quicker. It does help ramp up a little quicker. They do need to go through some training, and there is a learning curve there because the two departments and two divisions are completely different, and the job tasks are completely different. But oh, okay. every day we're putting more people on, so I think we're close to 200 people today, and we'll, we'll have that ramped up and with extra call center help coming in soon. Well, you know, talking to some folks that have uh, been laid off during this, and, and many of us have um, uh, in the last month or so, um, we're seeing, they're seeing their paperwork flying through. So somebody's really hustling there. Well, if you just take a look at the numbers, and I'll go over the, the number of new claims filed. So the, end, the week ending March 14th was before many of the Tennessee businesses had to start closing down or were forced to close down. There were 2,700 new unemployment, unemployment claims filed for the week ending March 14th. Skip ahead a week to when everything started taking place due to the COVID-19 health emergency. That number jumped up to 39,000 Tennesseans oh filing for unemployment Goodness. claims. Wow. And fast forward another week to the week ending March 28th, 94,000 people filed for unemployment. So within a span of two weeks, some 123,000 Tennesseans had to file for unemployment. So the system is working. People are getting through, they're filing their claims, and last week we paid out millions and millions and millions of dollars more in weekly benefits than the state has paid in recent years. So the system is working, people are getting paid. Are there times when the system is bogged down? Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. And those times yeah. are between noon and four, are the noon and four central are the peak times. That's when most people are trying to access that system and, and do so, their weekly certifications. So do or, it outside so, of those hours and you'll have exactly. a little better luck, yeah. That is, a, good that is very good, a, a very good tip. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's a 24-hour computer system, so if you're a night owl and up in the middle of the night, there you go. get on jobs4tn.gov and it, it'll be much more responsive. Okay, so the next logical question that I know people are nervous about, and, and you know, it's not there to make you get rich. It's there to help you make ends meet and make your electric bills and, and all the, you know, get your food on the table and things like that. But um, what kind of financial strain does that put on? Because this is nothing like this has really ever happened before. Sure. The unemployment system, it's a safety net system. It's not, it's not a paycheck. It's there to help you make ends meet during a tough time when you're in between jobs. So the maximum benefit there is $275 before taxes are taken out, federal taxes are taken out. I believe the average claim is something in the range of $230. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely not a lot of money, but it, it can help make ends meet. Um, the federal government is working on programs that will provide more of a benefit. On top of that, we are working on that right now. So we will, you know, when we get that guidance, we will, we will get those benefits out. The Tennessee Unemployment Trust Fund, before this 
started was at a very solid $1.26 billion. So $1.26 billion of employment taxes in the trust fund to pay unemployment claims. We have economists continually looking at that trust fund, doing different analysis of it, and they feel it's solid right now that we have the money in there to to cover these unemployment claims. Well, you know, it doesn't last, nothing lasts forever, but, you know, as long as this doesn't go problem. on and yeah. go on and go on, maybe we can get through this. And that's the problem. No one knows what the future holds or how long this is going to go on. So we are, con- we are continually looking at that and monitoring that to make sure that we are there to be able to pro- provide those benefits for the state of Tennessee. Yeah. Um, that is uh, quite a job. And do you predict, um, you know, this week or next week, these uh, unemployment numbers are going to continue to grow, or do you think it'll flatten out, or any idea at all? It's hard to tell. Governor Lee did have non-essential businesses across the state this week that he ordered to close, so that may provide an uptick because there are in outlying counties, many of the major metropolitan areas have already had those orders and have had it for several weeks. But now that we're getting out into the, the more rural counties and the smaller counties that mm-hmm. did not have those, there there could be more people who have to file for unemployment benefits. Well, I've heard some uh, from some uh, state representatives and things about the, the the fund and the trust fund and keeping keeping the money available and that it was uh, Tennessee in general was on pretty good financial footing. Um, you know, that's great. And I'm really glad that, you know, we've been very fiscal res- fiscally responsible in this state, it seems, to get to help us get through this kind of thing. Yeah, we, the employers pay into that fund. So for every employee they have, they have to pay an unemployment tax. And, mm-hmm. and that's where that money comes from for the Tennessee uh, Unemployment Trust Fund. Well, I'm glad nobody else has dipped into it for other things, which <laughs> the federal government kind of does sometimes. Um, but I'm glad that Tennessee keeps things where they need to be in the right uh, silo, you know. <laughs> um, so far, so good. Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh Let's just talk about, I mean, this, that, that was kind of the here and now, and this is the, uh, the immediate thing that everybody's talking about. Is there anything we, we haven't covered that people need to be doing right now with regard to the recent crisis? Um, I think we were talking off the, on, uh, off the air a little bit about some things that people do need to do, especially employers. Sure. There's a couple of things we can talk about, and one thing that is affecting a lot of people are folks who are self-employed, who are gig workers, Uber drivers. They perhaps cut hair and, and, and don't have an actual boss that pays their unemployment taxes. These 1099 workers and the self-employed, they're not eligible for typical unemployment because there isn't an employer paying into the trust fund to pay their unemployment. I got you, yeah. So that has been a big issue because there are a lot of people who work for themselves who cannot work right now, and they're not eligible for unemployment. The CARES Act that President Trump signed last week makes provisions for that and started pandemic unemployment assistance. It's a federal program that the federal government pays. We are, and it pays the same amount as typical Tennessee unemployment compensation. So it's at two seventy-five. I see. So we is it like sort of state by state? They go with whatever each state uh, is able to pay. Yes, yes. Whatever the yeah. laws are in each state. Okay. And then the federal government comes in. It was the same for the tornadoes uh, when 
disaster unemployment assistance. When a tornado affected someone who was self-employed, they were able to apply for disaster unemployment assistance. This is a different version of that called pandemic unemployment assistance, PUA. Mm-hmm. We have not received as of Late last week, we have not received guidance from the federal government of how to pay out those claims yet and where that money will come from, but we know it's coming. We're just waiting for it to come down the pipeline. So we are telling we're telling the self-employed and gig workers and freelancers and 1099 contractors to go ahead and file for unemployment. The system really isn't set up, and we're working on that to make the language more friendly towards people who don't have an actual employer. Right. But if you get that if you get that application in there now, it's going to say you're monetarily ineligible to collect. That doesn't mean that you were denied. It doesn't mean that you did something wrong. That's just the way the computer system is right now and, and yeah. it takes time to change that. But, but you're we're saying all get, that into an area. Yeah, you're get saying in get now. in the queue. Just get in there. Otherwise, get in the queue because we'll keep track of all these claims that were marked monetary and ineligible and then when we do get the guidance from the federal government. We'll be able to go back in, pick up all those claims, and then start processing them under PUA. So then we can start sending that money out at that point. Well, in the last month, you know, this has taken a, a very a big toll on everybody with unemployment and health and everything else. How is your staff holding up? Uh, because you just came off the tornado thing, and now this. So uh, clearly... Usually people aren't prepared for two disasters at once, but this is this is what happened, and I'm just kind of curious how everybody's holding up down there. Everyone's holding up fine. We do have quite a bit of our staff that can work from home. Uh, the state government and government Lee, uh, Governor Lee made great strides to get new computers in so we could send more people home who didn't have laptops so they could work from home so we could continue state services but also be very mindful of the health of state employees. So we, I would say, I haven't gotten a, a new check, but a, a, probably more than half of our staff is actually working from home. And this is even in the call centers. We've sent people in for a lot of folks who didn't have laptops. We packed up their desktops and yeah. let them take that home so they could set that up at home and they could answer calls and process claims and wow. not have to travel into the Metro Center area and be inside the building. There are some people here that they just need to be here, and, and right. that can't be helped. But well, it's is certainly essential. <laughs> it's it's exactly. certainly essential. Exactly. And that, boy, your IT department must really be cooking to get all that done. Yeah, it, hundreds and hundreds of new laptops so we could send people home and continue to do the services for the f- folks in t- Tennessee. Well, geez, not to mention the security that goes with that, because, you know, you've got, I'm sure, extreme firewalls and security and all kinds of things that they sure, have yeah. to Every new make laptop sure that comes in. Yeah, it has to be encrypted and yeah. has to be put onto the state network. So it does take some time, but we, every day we're ramping up with more people. Well, like I said, um, you know, I think a lot of people, when they get mail from you guys or whatever, they freak out and you know, you're know, you there to help. And I think sometimes people don't realize that because it's like, oh, I got to do this or I owe 36 bucks for that or this has to happen as an employer or an employee. But really, you're there to just make sure the system works. And that's honestly, that's all we we're here to serve the people of Tennessee. I know people are frustrated, and I know people are wondering why they're not getting the payments. And trust me when I tell you, every single person in this department is working as hard as they can around the clock, seven days a week. We have call centers now that are open seven days a week. We are doing everything possible to get these benefits to the people of Tennessee who need them so badly. Yep. Well, that is great. Um, We're up against our first break. We are talking with Chris Cannon from the Tennessee Department of Labor and Workforce Development, and we're going to come back with more of Sumner County Spotlight right after these messages here on WHIN. 
FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight this morning, brought to you by FNM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville and at myfmbank.com. We're talking with Chris Cannon from the Tennessee Labor and Workforce Development Department. And uh, Chris, can you tell us uh, some other tips and things like I, I love the idea of if you need to file for unemployment or you need to get on that system you know noon to four is kind of your busiest time there's it's 24 7 so you know sure if you're freaking out in the middle of the night you know hop on there and you're going to find out a lot of information not just a way to apply but there's reading and reading and reading if people just take the time they can kind of see the different areas that you guys can help sure yeah i mean during the day during those peak times between noon and four I mean, we had 95,000 people file last week. It's it's busy. The computer is busy. It's it's slowing responsiveness. It's taking pages, time to turn over, and that I mean any system that's going to be inundated with that many claims overnight is going to feel some of the pain of that. But after four o'clock, we're told that is when peak time kind of ends. So if you can go after dinner or later in the evening before you go to bed, it, the system's going to be much more responsive. And when you're on there, and this is a good thing to think about too, once you file for unemployment, you are required to do weekly certifications. You have to go in each and every week and certify with the state of Tennessee that you are still eligible to collect benefits. And this is twofold. This is to make sure you're still available. And it's also to keep you from being an overpayment because it asks you if you earned any money during the previous week. And if you've earned any money during the previous week, you it, they go through a system and it, if you earn so much money, you can still get a benefit. But if you've earned too much money, then you don't get the benefit this right. week. If right. you don't do that and you get paid, then you're an overpayment and you have to pay that money back. Right. And that's so why, why it's so important situation. to do because you will get a bill. I mean, you keep tra- you pretty good track. You, you, you guys keep pretty good track of that stuff. And as you should. I mean, this is a checks and balances thing where we don't want people to take advantage of the system. Exactly. And if you don't do that weekly certification, you won't get the benefit for that week. You won't get paid for that week. So that's even a bigger reason to do it. So as soon as you file, even if you aren't approved yet, as soon as you file the following week and go in there, do your weekly certifications. I cannot stress that enough because if you don't do that weekly certification, when you do get approved, you won't be paid for that week because you did not certify. Okay. So of everything we talk about today, guys, that's kind of the most important thing to remember if you are, if you have filed for unemployment. So thank you for uh, that tip. That's really, really important if you want to keep your money coming in. Um, So we had talked about how your name, once you file, actually goes into a queue for an opportunity. You guys have a massive database of jobs that are available, and now it it may not be, you know, what you want to do in your career. It may not be the perfect thing, but it is something that you guys are trying to do to help. Sure. We have a public-private partnership with some of the biggest associations in Tennessee, the Tennessee Grocers Association, the Tennessee Retail Association, and Hospitality TN. The hospitality industry is one of the hardest hit so far mm-hmm. during all this health emergency because Tennessee's a, a tourist destination, restaurants, bars, events. Some of well, especially in Nashville, yeah. yeah. I mean, our whole exactly. city is kind of based on that. It's by far been the hardest hit industry. 
So we teamed up with these associations to create the Tennessee Talent Exchange powered by Jobs4TN. And what we're doing is if you go to jobs4tn.gov and look for the Tennessee Talent Exchange logo and click on that, we will take your information and we will match you up with industries that are hiring right now. Many businesses are closed, but certain industries are surging right now because they can't keep up with demand, the grocery industry, the retail industry. So if you feel comfortable going out and working in the public, these jobs are available and they're almost immediate hires. So we take your information no matter where you live in the state. We'll take your information and we'll send that information to stores who are hiring in your local area and match you up with them so they can put you back to work as quickly as possible. It's not a permanent job. It can be just a temporary job. It has flexible hours, has good pay, and it's going to be a paycheck that you'll get as soon as you're working within that two weeks, like right. a normal paycheck, and a lot more money than you would collect from unemployment benefits. So it is an option out there. I know some people aren't comfortable going out and working in public, and we understand that. But for folks who feel that they want to get out there and work, there are opportunities out there. There well, are industries who are surging. Yeah, and in a weird way, you know, you are helping because the businesses that are open, that are hiring, are essential businesses, working in warehouses for groceries to get food to people. So it kind of goes over and above just finding... Uh, paycheck. You know, look, you you are helping. Yeah, these are in-demand industries. Folks aren't eating out as much, so they're buying more food because they're stuck at home and they have to cook dinner. They can't go to the local restaurant and eat, or they can get takeout. But, you know, those businesses have slowed down tremendously, too. So grocery stores and retail stores have really just had a surge in business and can barely keep up with demand. I mean, I'm sure you've been into your local Walmart and they're out there stocking the shelves all the time because they're trying to keep things on the shelves for folks to get. That's right. And it may not be, you know, the career move you want or any, but that's, you know, partly not what it's meant to be. But you it's might not you a might, career, you no. Know, but you might find a relationship there that you never even thought of. And, and all of a sudden, wow, you know, this is as it could grow into something. You never know. I'm sure but you it's have some success. temporary, too. Yeah. You know, your your place of employment is going to reopen eventually, hopefully, and you'll go back to that job. So this is something to do in the time when you're not working. Now, you can't collect if you're making a, a wage above your a weekly benefit amount, you can't collect unemployment, but it's a good deal that whatever you're making at the store where you're working is going to be greater than what you would have made with unemployment, and then you can provide more for your family immediately. Right, right. Yep. And I and I just, it's just a service that I'm not sure everybody knows that we uh, have in Tennessee, which I think is pretty cool. Um, other things that you had mentioned, just so many departments that sort of fall under you guys, can we describe a little bit more about other than just unemployment um, and benefits and things like that that you guys uh, do do? Sure. Uh, the Workforce Services Department, as I mentioned earlier, they operate, or they don't operate, they oversee the American Job Center's Across the state of Tennessee, we have about a little more than 80 job centers throughout the Tennessee area. Uh, 23 of them are comprehensive centers where there's all the services you can find. And our workforce services provide services for veterans, business services, uh, anything to help match job seekers with employers to get Tennesseans back to work. And there's a lot of different programs with WIOA, uh, the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, that go through that department, that division. It's almost our largest division next to unemployment. So they do a lot of great work across Tennessee with our workforce, our local workforce partners in the areas. Uh, we have nine local workforce development areas, and we have a local workforce partner in all those areas that we work with to provide those services. So that's a great service that we provide. Uh, Tennessee OSHA, they're the ones who 
Right, so you're, those and, are the guys who are working job sites and going to different businesses. And, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they go in there. If there's complaints, they'll go in there and they will they will investigate health and safety complaints, but also they do consultative services. So a company doesn't fall down that path where there might be a violation. They'll go in there and they'll inspect it and say, you need to do this, you need to do this, and this will make things safer so they can get ahead of the issue and be a safe employer so Tennessee workers are safe while they're on the job. And that's a very important yeah, because I think uh, there may be, when this is over, and it will end, uh, there may be a whole slew of new entrepreneurs and new businesses out there, and maybe they're going into construction or they're going uh, into some uh, type of service business and they don't know what they don't know. You know, call you guys first, get in there and say, okay, I've, I'm hiring five people and this is what we're going to do. What do I need to know? Exactly. So consultative services is being proactive about safety in the Tennessee workplace. There's the adult education. There are more people in Tennessee above the age of 18 who do not have a high school diploma than are in the K through 12 school system. Wow. So that's obviously an issue. We're trying to get as many people with at least their high set, their high school equivalency, because that's just going to better you. You're going to get a better job. You're going to have a better income potential, and that's going to help your family. So we are trying to steer as many people as possible to get their high school equivalency diplomas because that is just going to improve the overall economy of Tennessee. So who, there's the late. Oh, go go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to move to the next one. If you have a question about that, that's No, fine. go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, then we go through uh, labor standards. So they, they investigate six different labor standards, child labor laws, et cetera. Uh, that division also does um, inspections. They inspect over 70,000 boilers across the state of Tennessee. There's more than 30,000 elevators and other types of escalators and dumbwaiters and moving sidewalks in the state. Wow. And the state takes care of all of those. And then they also oversee amusement device, amusement devices, uh, fairs, oh. carnival rides, things like that. Right, all the temporary stuff that comes and goes. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the just the travel, you know, and again, it's for your safety to make sure, you know, if these traveling shows, things, you know, vibrate loose and you just, you know, it's for your own protection. Exactly. And then under the umbrella, it's a separate bureau and a separate entity, but it's under the umbrella of the department is the Bureau of Workers' Compensation, and they take care of workers who are injured on the job. So there's a, everything is focused on the worker. Wow. So, you know, everybody answers to somebody. Um, who, uh, Chris, who do you guys answer to? Like, what, what do you fall under? Are you directly to the, to the legislators or to the governor, or how does that... So I guess what is how does the tree look? You know the uh, organizational tree look. Sure, it's we're one of 23 executive branch departments. You know, along with human services and child services and revenue and uh, homeland security and safety, we're uh, underneath the Governor Bill Lee executive branch. So we're one of the 23 departments. So he would have uh, he it kind of falls under his department heads, and then they would all get together weekly or monthly or whatever. Yeah. Yes, Commissioner Jeff McCord oversees this department. Man, that is some responsibility, especially lately. It's a lot going on, that's for sure. And March has been, was quite a month, and hopefully April will not be as crazy as March was, but who knows what the future holds. How long have you been with this department, Chris? Uh, Just over four years, four years back in January. Well, you sound like uh, you've been there a lot longer and you had to, but I guess sort of baptism by fire with some of this stuff. I know more about unemployment insurance benefits than I ever thought I possibly would know. <laughs> but again, you're there for the workers of Tennessee. Um, and as you said, you know, we're kind of wrapping up our segment here. But, you know, you know, everybody's 
on edge. We get it. And the more time this happens, I guess the more on edge everybody's going to be. So any advice exactly. or thoughts that you could you could pass along to folks to kind of... We yeah. understand. Yeah, we understand this is a very difficult time. It's an unprecedented time in the state of Tennessee and across this nation. No one's ever had to deal with this before in this generation or the generations before. This is really an unprecedented time, and we're doing literally everything we possibly can to get folks the help they need. I know that there's a lot of frustration out there, and I know folks are wondering why they can't get through. It's because we're literally, and I say literally because, tens of thousands of calls each and every day. Mm-hmm. It's just there's so much demand right now, and we are expanding capacity and doing everything we possibly can to meet the demand to meet the demand and meet the needs of the folks of Tennessee. We we're, we're really are. Everyone here is dedicated to that, and I can tell you I'm on calls every day at 4 o'clock with all the assistant commissioners, and we just go over for an hour and a half every day what we're doing and what needs to be done the next day. These folks are dedicated to helping Tennesseans. Well, you know, it's, it is interesting, and, and considering this was not expected at all, and, you, you know, it's kind of hard to plan for a disaster of a complete economic shutdown, but... Um, you know, it sounds like you've really, you know, done some things pretty quick. The laptops, the home computers, the literally packing up desktops, getting people on the phone, hiring people uh, so that they can serve the citizens of Tennessee. And I'm sure you don't get a lot of thank yous, but I, and I know people are frustrated with you sometimes, but, you know, we appreciate you trying and everybody's doing their best, just like you said. And I just want you to know that it's not going unnoticed. And as an employer, we've been impressed by how quickly we're seeing that you're processing things. Well, I appreciate that, Tony. Thank you. And I'll pass that along. All right. That is Chris Cannon from the Tennessee Department of Labor and Workforce Development. We appreciate him taking the time. We're going to come back and we're going to talk with a local area physician a little bit more about the uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic in just a minute. He's actually been on some national programs, too. So uh, we will be back with more of Sumner County Spotlight right after these messages from FNM Bank. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. And welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning here on WHIN. And our second guest today, we're uh, very excited to have Dr. Bradley Bale of Gallatin, Tennessee. And uh, Dr. Bale, appreciate you taking the time to talk to us this morning. No, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Well, I uh, I understand you've been called upon uh, by some networks and, and other things uh, because you've got quite a lot of experience in this uh, this thing we're going through, and I'm not even sure how to describe it anymore. Um, <laughs> where do we where do we even begin? Yeah. Right. Yeah. With the COVID nineteen issue. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of surreal, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming this is 99% of what you're working on. I know other people have other issues and colds and get terrified, but so what, I guess if we just start at the beginning, what what have we learned and what should we not be afraid of? Because the longer this goes on, I think people get really freaked out. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, the listener needs to understand I come at healthcare from a prevention standpoint. I started practice in 1974, and my objective is always to prevent the end-stage disease from anything. Mm -hmm. So when this COVID-19 struck, my focus immediately went to, well, how can we prevent 
people from coming down with severe cases of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a respiratory virus, so most everybody will eventually get exposed to it. So knowing that, how can you mitigate the duration and the severity of the infection? So that's, I think. Well, those would be really good things to know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So what we have in place now to try and mitigate the spread of the virus is social distancing, which obviously does make sense. And they just reported Recently, it certainly has made a difference in the state of California and the state of Washington where people are really abiding by that more so than other areas of the country. So that certainly does help to try and avoid the virus in the first place, putting your body in a place where it could be exposed to it. Mm -hmm. And then the other advice, washing your hands, Obviously, that makes sense. If you have the virus on your hands, try and wash it off before you touch your face. But we also know, as great as those measures are, and they have helped, and we certainly need to continue them, it really hasn't been enough in places in this country, and I think that'll include Tennessee. So there's another measure we can take which is throwing in more offense. I like to put it that way, more offense. Yeah, instead of uh, just letting the disease dictate everything, maybe we can go right. after after it finally. Yeah, because it is pretty hard to totally hide from it. So we've got some extra offense that we could add to the measures I mentioned earlier that can greatly help. The biggest strength of this COVID-19 is the fact that it's a novel infection to the human body. We've never seen it before. So we don't have any adaptive immunity to it, but all living organisms have an extremely powerful innate immunity. And that means our bodies can immediately recognize COVID-19 through the innate immune system. Any foreign molecule that gets to the body is immediately recognized. Well, as, as we, you know, what would have heard about that is uh-huh. you're right. The body does recognize it. The human body is not accustomed to it or familiar with it. And is one of the issues, because, you know, you hear all kinds of stuff and there's things on social media and everything else. But you're a doctor, you know, and this attacks primarily the respiratory system. Is it because the human body right. is is so over, uh, I've heard that it, it kind of overreacts from the immunity standpoint to attack it, and it's, and it's also hurting yourself along with the virus? Is that well, even that remotely true? Some diseases, or? but no, this COVID-19, you want the frontline innate immune response to be extremely powerful Uh to get rid of the virus before it causes any severe problems with you and certainly before you can innocently spread it to other people. Mm -hmm. Because we know people are infected with the virus for one to three days before they even have symptoms. And what's exciting is a doctor 
Ramalingam published in Nature 18 months ago that the cells that line her nose and her throat, they're called epithelial cells, mm-hmm. are capable of producing a lethal substance to the virus. Really? That lethal sub yeah, the lethal substance is called hypochlorous acid. Mm-hmm. That is the active ingredient in bleach, and it'll kill basically any virus, any bacteria. And it's not safe, of course, to go out and start <laughs> drinking well, yeah, yeah. with bleach. Well, you I've heard a lot that. of weird stories but, already. But... <laughs> yeah, but fortunately, our bodies can produce it naturally, and they can produce it in the first cells that get infected with COVID-19, and those are the cells that line the nose and the throat. Mm-hmm. I mean, where do they go to test to see if you have it? They don't test your hands. Right. They test the back of your nose and your throat, because that's where the virus first resides. Huh. And it spends the first day or two just replicating, mm-hmm. building up more and more virus. And when that happens, eventually you start to get symptoms, runny nose, sore throat, maybe a little bit of a cough, fever, et cetera. But the first couple of days, you don't even know it's in there. It's mm-hmm. just busy replicating. And if during those first few days, when you're totally asymptomatic, you make a lot of this hypochlorous acid in those cells that line our passageways, you'll kill it before you ever even knew you had it. Wow. And Dr. Ramalingam and the study he published in Nature told us how to do that. How much hypochlorous acid is produced depends on how much chloride there is in those epithelial cells. You can greatly increase the amount of chloride in those cells by rinsing your nose and gargling in your throat with hypertonic saline solution, basically sodium chloride. It's the chloride that does the trick. Mm-hmm. And then he went ahead and did a study of people who had gotten upper respiratory infections, and he had two arms of treatment. One was just standard stuff you do when you get a cold. The other half of the group did this hypertonic saline irrigation of the nose and gargle on a routine basis, and he showed those individuals it decreased the duration of their cold by two days, the severity significantly, and most impressively, the spread of it to other people. Household contact spread was decreased 35%. And these were people understand it. Understand that these are people who already have symptoms. Wow. So, so you know, this is the first uh, this is the first we've yeah. ever even heard of anything like this. So it's called hypertony what? <laughs> Hypertonic saline solution. So you get four cups of water, you put in two tablespoons of salt, preferably non iodized, because right. non iodized is less irritating to the tissue. Uh, so that's how you make it. You boil the water for a couple of minutes, make sure it gets sterile. Put some non-iodized salt in there. Yeah, two tablespoons of non-iodized salt. Mix it all up, let it cool off, and then you irrigate your nose and gargle with your throat 
Well, you know, that's a preventative thing that people can try, you know, other than just washing your hands. Well, it's offense. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's offense. It'll kill the virus. Your body produces hypochlorous acid that'll kill it. So theoretically, if you're doing that before you even know if you have the virus, if the virus is there, you're going to kill it off before it can even replicate enough to ever give you symptoms. That is amazing. And you're going to greatly reduce the risk of spreading it to other people. Well, doctor, that so uh, that alone was safe, worth that simple al- and inexpensive. Yeah, exactly. That that alone is the best tip we've heard uh, in four weeks on this thing. So I hope everybody's listening and uh, and try gives it a try. And let's not make a run on non iodized salt in the markets, but uh, you can definitely find it. So you have the uh, your first offensive move right there. Right, it's a powerful offensive play that we can all make and if we all make it we can shut the spread of this virus down much sooner so what do you think this is going to look like uh what do you think this is going to look like on the other side of this doctor i mean does it really go away i mean you know again you hear all kinds of things so you never know what's true and what isn't but haven't haven't a lot of people probably had this i mean are the numbers increasing because we're testing more or are they actually increasing or both no, it's both for sure. It's spreading because people who are spreading it don't even know they have it. They're innocently yeah. doing that. It's right. spread usually during the first one to three days that you have it, and that's before it's reproduced enough to cause symptoms. And that's what I was saying. If everybody's doing this hypertonic saline rinse, you're going to kill the thing before you ever knew you had it and before you can spread it to other people. How about uh, so? It's exciting offense that we can take, but the virus is going to be with the human society forever. Mm-hmm. And the only downside to what I'm telling people to do is you may actually kill that virus off so quickly that the adaptive immune system doesn't get to kick in, so you don't develop that long-term memory immunity for the virus. Okay, well, the solution for that is just keep doing that saline rinse like twice a day for the next year until they have an effective vaccine. Right. Then go get vaccinated, and then you produce the adaptive immunity, the memory to it, in a safe way. Well, you know, they are talking (laughs) about... about, risking dying from it. (laughs) Right. Well, they are talking about, you know, 50% of the people are... Uh, about 50% are actually following these guidelines and another 50% aren't. But if 100% of us did this uh, saline uh, treatment f- to ourselves, again, like you said, cheap, uh, home brew, you can do it yourself, it's harmless, but it yeah. does lethal damage to this cor- uh, coronavirus. Oh, it'll kill it. Yeah, it kills it. But I think the reason it hasn't been promoted yet, and we're going to make sure it does get promoted, not only in this county, but the state and the nation, the reason most likely is this was just published 18 months ago. Normally, for good science that's published to get utilized, it takes 20 to 30 years. Wow. Well, I'm glad glad you read it. I'm glad somebody read it. (laughs) My goodness. Yeah, so it's so new that, you know, like the World Health Organization came out and said, well, rinsing your 
nose and throat with saline doesn't do any good to kill a virus or COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Well, they're correct on two counts. Number one, how could there have been a study showing that with COVID-19? It's yeah. just, it's new. Exactly. And we did, the study I'm talking about was Ramalingam. He showed it killed coronavirus. It was a different uh, variety of it, but it's all basically the same. Right, right, That'll exactly. kill any. And the other issue, if you're talking about just normal saline rinses of the nose, what you get commercially when you go to the store, mm-hmm. it's usually 0.9% right. salt yeah. in the solution. That's not strong enough. Exactly. percent Yep, so two tablespoons. close to what the ocean is. So it's two tablespoons yeah, per, per what? Per cup? Four cups. Four cups. Four cups. Four cups, two tablespoons. Yeah. Gotcha. And then you're getting close to what nature gave us in the ocean. Isn't that amazing? It's always the nature that knows how to handle (laughs) things. So we are talking with Dr. Bradley uh, Bale here on Sumner County Spotlight. We're up against our our break here, and we're going to come back and spend a little more time with him right after these messages here on Sumner County Spotlight. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight for our final segment. We are uh, happy to be talking with Dr. Bradley Bale of Gallatin, Tennessee. And uh, we had just such an interesting first segment with him about what you can do to actually attack this virus back. And that is the first time in four weeks I've heard anybody saying, the heck with letting it happen to us, let's go after it. So um, what makes this different than the other ones? Is it just because it's so contagious, doctor? No, (laughs) it's actually... (laughs) And I hate to use, I won't use the word because too many people are suffering with severe end stage right, problems right. from it. But really, it's a coronavirus. It's encapsulated like all coronaviruses. And there's it's tons and tons of those. Killed. You can kill it like the hypochlorous acid, no problem. Well, so then why the, are people the main, so terrified? The, only, the, the, the strength that it has. It's a novel infection to the human body. We've never seen it before. Mm -hmm. So we don't have any adaptive immunity to it. There's no memory, no memory immunity to it. Right. So it gets in your body and goes, well, hey, I don't even know. Antibodies against it right away. That's right. Yeah. So that's the only, that's the biggest strength it has. Mm -hmm. It's real. It's a coronavirus. There are lots of different varieties. So, the biggest strength is it's novel. And so the only way we have on the front line to deal with it is the innate immune system. And we can deal with it very powerfully if we bathe again our nose and our throat with high concentration of saline in the water mm-hmm. because that'll cause the production of hypochlorous acid in those cells where the virus is invading in the nose and throat, and you're going to kill it, and you can kill it before you ever even knew you had it. So, you know, you said you've uh, so, you've got a video out there and some things, because we do want to get the word out about yes. this, and I know you're a, a huge proponent right. of this, because, like you said, there was a study done, and it was published 18 months ago, but in uh, publication right. years, that's still a baby, and uh, but the, uh, the proof is yeah. out there. And uh, tell us about your video and where they can get more information. Yeah, they can go to the website, bail.com, 
B is in Bravo, A is in Alpha, L is in Larry, E is in Echo, D is in Delta, O is in Orange, N is in Nancy, E is in Echo, E is in Echo, N is in Nancy.com. So baildonine.com, and if they go to that website, we have highlighted COVID-19 information. The studies by Dr. Ranga Lingam are there, the papers that we've published on it, the video that I did on it with uh, a national figure uh, is on there. And then I, the, the YouTube video I did for the big Chicago station is on there. Our response to the World Health Organization saying rinsing with saline doesn't kill COVID-19 is on there. So... So people can get everything they need. The formula for mixing the saline and how often to do it is on that website. So they can get everything they need right there. Okay, so you have patients, I'm assuming, and have you treated anyone with this uh, right now? With Sumner County had the recent explosion in the uh, in the virus at that uh, specific senior citizen center. Um, which was an unfortunate thing, but uh, like you said, it does attack the weak or people with underlying issues. Yeah, well, because my specialty is actually preventing heart attacks and strokes, and a lot of people don't come to me till they've already had major issues in that regard, had their heart attack, had their stroke, the bypass, whatever. Uh, our patient population overall is extremely high risk. I became aware of that study almost two weeks ago. We immediately wrote a paper on it, disseminated that information to all our patients. Well, wow, I bet it's really helping part, your patients. Partner Amy Donin, uh, we both have patients not only all across the United States, but internationally, and we spread the message to all our patients almost two weeks ago. None of those patients have come down with COVID-19, and if they do the saline rinse, uh, we don't believe any of them will. But most of them, if they did come down with it, it could be fatal. But if they'll do the saline rinse, they, they should be safe. So stay Wow, that safe is amazing. Thought, and so everybody you deal with is a, yeah. is a potential major problem if they get it, because like you said, they're already vulnerable. Right, and we have a huge community of Healthcare providers across the United States that practice our method of cardiovascular prevention, and they've informed all their patients about it as well. So I'd be shocked if any of their patients come down with COVID-19 either. Wow. And so, so I'm, we're doing I'm assuming our best that, to get you know, the message out. As doctors practice what they preach, I'm sure that's exactly what you're doing right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, one of the best things you can do, of course, to prevent heart attacks and strokes is exercise. So I went out for a six-mile run in Sumner County today. Guess what I did as soon as I got back you in You came house, back and you uh, I gargled? I my nose and I gargled <laughs> yep. because that virus is out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, those particles are so tiny. As long as it's been around now, the safest assumption is if you go out, even like I did for a run, you better assume, you know, I could have picked up a few of those, but it's right. going to be such a small amount that if you immediately use this 
saline and produce that hypochlorous acid, whatever got in you, you're going to kill it off. Mm-hmm. So, so, is, so uh... people go out to the store. So our recommendation for doing this is if you're at home and you, you don't have any reason to believe you've been exposed, you feel perfectly fine, to do this about every eight hours, three times a day is fine. But if you go out, you go to the grocery store or whatever, as soon as you get home, throw in an extra round of that rinsing and gargling. Yeah, definitely do it. So how do you do it with the, how do you uh, flush your, your nostrils or whatever? To do, What's the best way to actually do that part? Everybody knows how to gar- gargle, but I'm not sure they know yeah. how to rinse. Right. It's very simple. And if people go to that website, com, they'll find the link to Dr. Ramalingam's site where he has videos of how to mix it and how to do the nasal part. Now, certainly, if somebody already has like a neti pot, that type of thing, of course, they can use that. But you don't have to have any fancy device. Mm -hmm. You can literally just put that solution in like a bowl, get your head over it, and get the stuff up in your nose. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, great. Okay, well, we wanted so, to uh, we we wanted to say thank you for taking the time and and not only just give us sort of an update on how things are going, but you know we weren't expecting a potential solution when when you called, and that's been such a huge benefit. And I hope everybody listens to this program and goes to those websites. And I think if they keep an eye on you, we're probably going to see you on TV more and more, spreading the word about how we can go on offense. Yeah, no, this is a powerful offensive move. We need it. It's hard to win a game when you just have defense. Yeah. You've got to throw in a little offense, too. So what I have to say to Sumner County, everybody out there, please pass the salt. We need all hands on deck with this measure. If we all do it, uh, within two weeks, the CDC is going to be scratching their head. Uh, <laughs> golly, what yeah. happened to all the new cases what, in Sumner County? Right. What's going on in Sumner like County? We yeah, were. they went to zero. What's going on? That yeah. would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you yeah. so much. That's so, Dr. Uh, Dr. Bradley well, Bale. We, we appreciate, appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. You take care Thanks of yourself. Okay. Take care. <laughs> I will. I'm Stay safe for salt. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. And that is, uh, that's that's going to do it for this week on Sumner County Spotlight. We appreciate both of our guests, Chris Cannon from the Tennessee Department of Labor and Workforce Development and Dr. Bradley Bale this week with some great tips on how we can get after this thing and uh, quit playing defense all the time. And uh, we will talk to you again next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. right here on WHIN for another edition of Sumner County Spotlight brought to you by FM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard and at myfmbank.com. We appreciate their sponsorship. You have a safe week and we'll talk to you soon. Sumner County Spotlight has been brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, or even home mortgages, FNM Bank can provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.